I don't like putting myself on video. I don't like making videos and putting them out, but I force myself to because I tell myself it's not about me. If you're looking to connect with other like-minded people and go deeper with me and my work and my guides, the Z's, then you might want to check out The Portal, my monthly members community. Every month you get access to a host of wellness tools that include a 90-minute live energy tune-up broadcast with me, free monthly recordings, Qigong body energy updates from Stephen Washington, a members-only community forum, so much more, and special discounts. To learn more, visit the link below, and I hope to see you inside the portal. Welcome to Impact the World, where my guest today is Gaz Chan. Gaz is known on Instagram as the Karma Lady, and at her website, Chinese Energy Healing, she has been offering private sessions for over a decade. And in recent years, she's expanded to creating online workshops and also children's books that help children stay connected to spirit. So this conversation with Gaz is far reaching. We cover many different aspects of being willing to be a healer in the world and allow yourself to see yourself as someone who can bring healing to others. We talk specifically about the path that Gaz walked before she became a healer and how creativity was her outlet. And we also touch on what is karma and what is the work that Gaz does to help people shift karma that may be in the way of them stepping forward in their lives. It was a great conversation. We hope you enjoy, and I'll hand you over now to the conversation with Gaz. Gaz, thank you so much for being here. It is lovely to get to be with you. And we haven't seen each other in person for many years, but I have followed you on social media over the years, and I've seen your rise and your deepening into your healing. And it's been, it's been lovely to, um, to witness. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Likewise. So we met each other at a workshop in Los Angeles in 2016. It was a one-day workshop that I was offering, and I remember you very well. You stood out to me. You had a very bright spirit, and you came with your mom and a friend. And I just always remember you had this really strong energy about you, and there was a fire in you, a loving fire, but it was a fire. And it, it's funny because I remember at the time it was very much about who you're becoming in the world and all of all of those kinds of topics. But witnessing you over the last seven years now with where you've taken your work, I've just enjoyed watching how your energy has changed. I've witnessed this big energy that you have or that you had go more into your body and now emanate out in a different way. That's what I see. Mm. And you've really gathered a huge following on Instagram, specifically at the moment. I saw this morning you're on 88,000 followers, which is a magic number for me, 88. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about how the karma lady, which is what you call yourself on Instagram, how was that born? Because to me, looking from the outside in, that's its own world. You're serving lots of people 
How did the Karma Lady come to be? Uh, the Karma Lady came to be because I guess I clear a lot of karma for my clients. And I've learned a lot of different modalities, but primarily I clear karma in all my sessions. And I do that 18, 19, 20 times a week. Uh, and the other thing, I would say that the question that I had when I was a teenager was, what kind of karma do I have that is attracting the relationships in my life? And how do I break this karma? How do I get rid of this karma? How do I heal this karma? How do I resolve this karma? How do I get out of it? So that is, that's a question I've always had throughout my life, which has led me into energy healing. So I figured, I kind of like, I'm like the karma lady, right? you know? People come to me and say, oh, my friend said that you clear karma. Can you clear karma between me and my mother? Can you clear karma between me and my husband or my friends or my boss? So I figured, okay, I guess I'm like the karma lady. And for anyone who's watching who maybe isn't quite sure what they think of karma or what they believe karma to be, how would you describe it to someone who's wondering what karma is? Well, karma is just, it's your thoughts, your actions, the things that you say, your behavior, everything has a reaction. Everything has a cause and reaction or a response. That's all karma is. It's, it's neither good or bad, but we label it. The human ego likes to label, oh, this is good karma, that's bad karma. Oh, I have a beautiful relationship with my mother and, and my son, that is good karma. Oh, I have a terrible relationship with my father, that's bad karma. But it's, it's just karma. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And you speak about the modalities. You're trained in about 20 different healing modalities. Yeah? I've experienced, I've learned. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I wouldn't say mastered. <laughs> <laughs> what compels, I mean, I think it's fantastic that you're training in so many things. And we chatted before this conversation began and you were saying there's more to learn. There's more that you're interested in. Have you always been that way since you were little, you know, loving learning? Or did it take getting on your healing path and your spiritual path to realize this is the area you really want to learn about? Um, that's a good question. And uh, <laughs> I'm quite embarrassed because when I was a child, uh, being Chinese, my, my, I was born and raised in England, but my, my family are from Hong Kong, so they're Chinese. And if you're not good at math, then you're kind of seen as a reject, right? right. So I was not good at math, so I was treated as like a reject. And even at school, because I daydreamed a lot, they thought, oh, she's a bit slow. Let's put her in the class with... Um, the, you know, not so smart kids. <laughs> and they realized, oh, she's not slow. She's just in her own world a lot. <clears throat> so at school, I got the message that I wasn't very academic. I was very creative. So I did not enjoy learning at school. You know, I, I didn't think of myself as a great student. And my granddad at the time was trying to teach me how to read and write Chinese, but I was drifting off all the time and he kind of like gave up. And the, the disappointment in his face, I kind of like felt like I was, you know, disappointed him, you know, I was like, 
bad Chinese girl. Um, and it wasn't until when I went to college, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna study whatever I want to study, something that brings me joy. And that happened to be acting, dancing, singing. And that's when I became a really good student and I became very focused and I was able to apply myself. And since then, I've just had this, uh, this appetite for learning whatever pleases me. And a lot of it is magic and energy healing and the things that we don't see. Mm. And it's interesting because it's a very common path for lots of healers, spiritual teachers, students to kind of go that creative route. I know it was how I first found the magic of the world. It was the only area that I was allowed to tap into the magic of the world through the creative arts, because when I was growing up, it wasn't like there were people around me teaching the healing arts. Mm -hmm. So for you, I know you went along that path for a while, and I know you, you acted for a while, and then there came this time where in your life everything changed and started going towards healing. Was there a pivotal moment, or was it just gradual that you were learning more about healing? When my son was a year old, he had seven colds back to back, back to back, back to back, with maybe a day in between of wellness. I knew a healer then, I called him up, he put me in touch with his master, and I had to wait two weeks for a 20 minute phone healing session. And this master worked on me and my husband at the time. The next day my son was well and just stayed well. So he was doing a, a talk at the Bodhi Tree bookstore on Melrose back then. I decided to go and see his lecture and I just witnessed him. He was like a Jedi master. He just worked on people within a minute, two minutes and it was instant wellness. And I was very impressed. I approached him afterwards and to give him recognition and acknowledge him. And, and acknowledge him. And he, he just kind of shrugged it off. He was just like, no, nah, it's easy, you can do it. I said, there's, there's no way I could do what you could do. Uh, they said, you should come to my workshop. You can do it, you can do it, it's very easy. And at the time my mum was visiting, people always said to my mum, you have such a healing energy about you, you should be a healer. So I told her, why don't you go and do this workshop? And my mum's a very smart lady, and she said, well, your birthday's coming up. Why don't I pay for you to go do the workshop as a birthday gift, and then you can work on your son? That's a really good hook. Good mom. <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> you can like, heal your child. That's how I'll hook you in. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, she knew exactly She's what she was mom. doing. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a shit present. I didn't want to go. I was convinced there's no way I can do this. And, uh, but yes, within an hour of being there, I started seeing past lives or other lifetimes and started clearing stuff. And that weekend, a bunch of family and friends asked me to work on them. And I did. And, uh, and then I just started taking more workshops and more classes and more workshops and more classes. But I would say it was because of my son even the psychic mediumship stuff, my son was seeing spirits and orbs and demons and 
entities and and I thought, okay, I'm going to have to really confront the psychic mediumship part of me so that I can empower him, mm. you know? So, yeah. My son. That's great. And so could you describe for us what the work is? So, for example, you do a private session, and I know you have 20-minute or 30-minute private sessions. What happens in a session if, if, if I were a person coming to you? Well, when you come to me, you will say, um, I have a blockage in my career or I have a blockage in my relationships or uh, I'm trying to sell a house or it could be anything, a health issue, right? Or depression, anxiety, uh, any kind of phobia, fear, whatever. And then I just drop into your energy field and all the information is there. I see a lot of things from other lifetimes. So I just start deleting them. I just start clearing them. Not that it, not removing the memory, you can't remove the memory, right? But it's diffusing the negative accumulative effects of that event from you. Because whatever happens in other lifetimes, if it doesn't get resolved, it will show up again in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. Just like when you have a lesson that you're not willing to learn, it's not going to go away. It's going to keep showing up and showing up with different people, different situations, different times until you learn the lesson. So it's the same as these traumas and events from other lifetimes. So I just start deleting, 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 deleting until the person feels lighter, more neutral, and less activated, less triggered, right? So when they start feeling that, then I know that things, the energy is moving, the emotions getting released. And the issue that they have will somehow fade away or dissipate because whatever bothers us, we attract more of it. So I clear stuff from you so that it doesn't bother you anymore. If you feel absolutely neutral about the situation, it doesn't need to keep showing up. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So you do this for somebody. What is the uh, impact or aftermath on you when you do a session like this? Because I'm assuming it's not a completely neutral experience for you energetically. Um, so yeah, what is the impact on you when you do a session like this? And how do you navigate coming out of a session like that and coming back to you? Okay, well, it depends on the person and it depends on uh, what is being cleared. How heavy the session yeah, may have been. How heavy it is and how old are these issues. Mm. So, if for me as a practitioner, I have to be neutral most of the time. If I'm not neutral, I won't be able to muscle test or energy test correctly. So for the most part, I can be very neutral because, you know, I've heard about problems, every kind of problem for the past 10, 15 years, you know. Uh, but sometimes if the person is in excruciating emotional pain and they are bawling their eyes out and there's just grief just outpouring, you know, from them. I hold that space for them to 
cry their eyes out, to sob. But then afterwards, it can be very draining for me. It's almost like I absorb mm -hmm. uh, the energy. Even though I do all my work remotely, you can still absorb the energy. Just like if you were talking to your best friend on the phone and they were depressed and crying and sobbing, you would feel that, you know, because we are empathic creatures. So some sessions, they do leave me feeling very, very drained and depleted. But that's why I have a break in between my sessions and I release the client's energy and their issues. And sometimes it's triggering something within me that is unresolved mm. or needs healing, right? So then I get to work on that as well. But yeah, sometimes I take a nap, sometimes I meditate, sometimes I snack on fruit. You know, sometimes I just wash my hands. Sometimes I spray uh, essential oils. And then sometimes I just let the energy release out of my body into the ground, into the earth to be transformed. Why I love what you just described is I think there is a mystery for a lot of people around doing one-on-one -on -one work that often intimidates people away from doing it. So, you know, I did one-on-one -on -one sessions for 15 years. I know exactly what you're talking about regarding being remotely with people all over the world uh, on Skype or and, and being in the energy field of a person in that way and having to shake it off. What was one of the challenging human beliefs or ego beliefs that you had that could have stopped you starting doing sessions? Because it's a very tricky journey for most of us who commit to this work. And I'm curious, what if any were, were the potential blocks that could have stopped you being where you are today if you had believed them and not done these sessions? Oh, there are so many reasons why I shouldn't be healing. I resisted uh, this work for, I'd say, a good two years. I'd say two to five years I resisted this work, but the universe kept bringing me clients. Uh, wow, so many reasons. Mm, I'm not perfect. I'm not wholesome. I'm too damaged. I'm too fucked up. I'm, I need fixing. I'm not healed. Uh, I'm not... I don't have 100% perfect optimum health at all times. Uh, my past, my childhood, you know, I've had all kinds of different jobs. I've had a typical teenage um, experience, rebelling, clubbing, raving, doing drugs, you know, all kinds of stuff. I don't know enough. I'm not a master, right? Uh, I mean, it just, it just goes on, it goes on and on and on. But it's such an important <laughs> list because you just listed over 10 qualities and I've heard all of them over the years from other people and I had many of those myself. Isn't it interesting that we have some skewed idea of what spirit is or what a healer is and we actually dehumanize both of those things. We don't understand that spirit and human are intertwined. Uh, a human healer is also a human, not just a healer. You know, this kind of weird separation energy that we've often projected onto it that I think makes a lot of people question whether or not they should be doing this. Uh, and actually the truth is, if you've, if you've had a life, <laughs> which many healers have, 
it actually just makes you more compassionate and more empathic around the ups and downs of a life. And it's the same for people who practice therapy or psychotherapy or, and yet isn't it funny that as a society, we're very quick to want to judge, well, they're not pure or they're not this. And I'm like, well, who is? Yeah. Who really is who's walking the earth right now? Yeah. It's funny how I didn't judge other healers, but I had a lot of judgment about myself. It was like, you eat meat, you eat too much meat. And you know, at that time also, I, you know, I smoked cigarettes for 30 years. So I was like, how can you be a smoker and heal? And I also worked as a dominatrix at one point. How can you work as a dominatrix and then, you know, beat men during the day and then heal, you know, or heal people during the day and then go into a dungeon at night? Like, that doesn't make sense and that's too contradictory and you should be ashamed of that and no one's going to be okay with that and people are going to think you're a fraud and what are you doing? And, you know, there was just so many, um, so much judgment that I had about myself, mm. you know, like I had to be vegan, floating on some sheepskin rug in an ashram, you know? Gaz, I always <laughs> say that, you know, I, I, I wasn't a fan of channeling. It wasn't my thing. It certainly wasn't the area of personal growth or metaphysics that I was very interested in. But when it happened to me at 23, on the London Underground, the tube as we know it, uh, when I was going through all my own self-judgment, self-hatred issues in my own head, and boom, there my guides were, uh, that just didn't compute for me because I was exactly the same. I should be meditating. I should have been at a monastery. I should have been doing yoga, you know, all the all the things. And, and it's just such a common story. So thank you for sharing your version of it because I think one of the biggest things to let yourself do this kind of work or anything that you're a little intimidated by is to be able to work with your own resistance or defenses against it. Mm -hmm. So good, I'm glad you were able to. Yeah. Well, I kept saying, I kept saying to the universe, are you absolutely sure? I think you got the wrong person. I don't think I should be doing this. I did want to make a difference um, in the world. But the universe just kept sending me clients and sending me clients and sending me clients. I was like, okay, if you're absolutely sure, but I think you got the wrong person. I don't think I should be doing this. But if this is how you think I should serve, then, you know, I just kept surrendering and letting go to the guidance rather than, I feel like before I was a healer, I was very pushy with and calculated with what I wanted to do in life and how I wanted my life to look and it has to be this way and it has to be that. And I was chasing and chasing and pushing and pushing and forcing. Whereas when I became a healer, I just gradually over two to five years just started letting go and surrendering and letting myself be guided by the universe and letting go of control. Mm. And, and I had to let go of what being a healer looked like, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, it, all the life experience you have, it makes you relatable and you can understand the clients. You, you understand people, you know? Yeah, and most people who are wired in a sensitive way, however that shows up for you, because sensitivity looks different on different people from different walks of life most sensitives I know did not have an easy time when they were younger. <laughs> you know, it's like, I think just 
dealing with this planet and all its ups and downs when you're in that more raw, unfiltered, as yet unformed or not fully socialized yet state.、Mm-hmm. So it's kind of normal. Yeah. Question for you then. So you were doing all of these one-on-one sessions, and I think it was about two years ago, maybe, that I stumbled on one of your Instagram videos, and I saw you essentially doing a similar karmic healing, but to the camera and to whoever was watching. And 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 how did that? At what point did you think, okay, I'm going to take this same skill that I direct to one person? And I'm going to see if I can include it to a group who are on the other side of a screen. How, how did that shift happen for you? Oh, the teaching. Yeah.、Uh, okay. Again, my son. My son is so naturally gifted. I, I was looking for a teacher who would teach children energy healing, psychic mediumship, all kind of stuff. But no one was teaching, and so I thought, I wonder if I should teach. You know. Uh, and again, my ego is like, "Who do you think you are? You're not a master. How can you teach? You're not going to be able to answer the questions. You're introverted. You're shy. You can't talk in public." So I was driving down the road one day, and I said to the universe, "What do you think I should do? Shall I teach or not? Shall I teach? Shall I not teach? Shall I teach? Shall I not teach? Because there are lots of reasons why I should, lots of reasons why I shouldn't." But I want my son to stay. I want him to hold on to his his gifts. And then I stopped at traffic light and I turned to my left, and there was a white van that had big black letter letters on it. It said "Teach." And I was like, "Oh shit!" And then I went home and I meditated and I was panicking and all this anxiety came up and I was like, no, I can't teach, I can't teach, I don't know enough, I don't, I don't have all the answers. And I was like, what do you have to say about this? And then the voice went, it's not about you. <laughs> and I, I was humbled in a moment. Yeah. I was like, oh shit, you're right. Why am I making about me? This is my ego. This is not about me. It's about. It's about the people who want this work, the people who you know want to learn. So then I started teaching, but I didn't have experience in teaching children. Then you need permits and all this kind of stuff. So I thought, okay, well, before I start teaching children, <clears throat> let me start teaching adults first, and then somehow segue into teaching children if it opens up. So that's why I started teaching. And how have you found people's response to, for example, say your videos? You know, I've seen some of your comments on Instagram and stuff. How, how, how have you, how have you experienced doing what you're doing in a public way, and having an effect on people you may never meet or know in that way? What, what has that been like for you? That has all, all also been a bit of a struggle. I don't like putting myself on video. I don't like making videos and putting them out, but I force myself to. Because I tell myself it's not about me; it's about getting the work out to people who need it. There, are, when I was growing up, there were no healers around、Mm-mm. that I could go to. There was no energy healing. There were, you know, and I desperately wanted there to be,、uh, and there, there was nowhere to go to find people to, 
who did this. So now I just think about all those people who are looking for this work. Just think about someone's going to come across this video and go, that's what I need. And it will help them. So that's what, so that's what motivates me in putting my videos out there. Uh, very fortunately, I don't get hate mail and, you know, nasty comments and stuff. So thankfully. Yeah. No, and it's, it, you know, one of the things you've said a couple of different ways now that I think is really good for anyone considering taking a leap of faith with their work, especially if it involves helping others, is exactly what you have described. It's not about us. So we might get in our own way before we do the thing. But one of the things I was recently telling a friend who was doing an interview, she just released a book and she was, she's been a very private one-on-one -on -one healer and she was a little hesitant about doing the interview. And I just said, as soon as the interview starts, you're not gonna have any of these thoughts in your head. It's gonna be the same as a session. And she went, what do you mean? And I went, because they're gonna throw questions at you and you're just gonna answer and you're gonna be in the flow of a dynamic of two people like you are used to in your private sessions. But before you get there, you've got to deal with your own head. <laughs> and that's always the thing, isn't it? It's like we make it bigger in our own head, but actually anything yeah. like that where we're engaged with other people, there's more than just us in that room. Mm -hmm. There's a combination. And if you are a person who can lean into the energy of another person or the need of another person or service of another person in the way that you can serve, mm -hmm. it's amazing how we disappear and we appears and that that's always just so much easier i think when you can when you can focus on it that way absolutely uh, some of my students were like well what if i don't get the results and i don't know what to say and i don't know where to start and how do i start and what if they ask me and i just say when you go into the session you've got to put all your focus on your client if you focus on you yes you're going to start saying what if i don't get the results that this person is paying me for yeah, and it just spirals right mm -hmm. but if you just when you go into session just put all your focus on your client and think about them and what they need how can i serve this person you'll be fine mm. always are so you have students for your workshops and your teaching but you did mention earlier your passion for kids and wanting children to have access to this i know you just released your second book. So mm -hmm. your first book, which came out, was called The Kindness Guru. Mm -hmm. Remind me the name of the second book. It's called Flipper Feet Pete. Flipper Feet Pete. So tell us about the why behind these books. Why did you create these books? Well, like I said, I, I do want to help children uh, because, you know, kids, all kids are very in tune and gifted. And then they hit 12 and they just shut down and close off and withdraw and go into teenage years and, you know, uh, they go away from their gifts. And so part of the reason why I started writing books is because I want to help children stay connected to their, their innocence, their magic, their, their gifts. And the other reason is because I was in meditation and I was saying to the universe, you know, I need to do something for fun. Mm. I, I don't do anything for fun anymore. Like, I'm, I'm, what I used to do for fun is mostly illegal. Or, <laughs> you know, like I just, I vibrated out of that lifestyle, yeah. right? So, um, you know, I don't drink and I don't take drugs and I don't gamble. And I, 
there's a lot of things that I just don't, I don't go raving and dancing anymore. So it's like, okay, what can I do instead for fun? And this voice said, children's books. And at the time I was like, what? that doesn't seem fun. <laughs> how fun, how, how no, fun that, can that be? That doesn't seem fun to me. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it couldn't be fun, yeah. but that's not, that, that's, I wouldn't think of, yeah, go and yeah. write some children's books. Like, uh, okay, I was like, no, belly dancing, you know, something. Yeah. Uh, no, it said children's books. And I was like, oh. but I thought, well, that would be a good way for me to connect with children or there are so many really conscious children out there who are so in tune and it, it will be good for, for those kids and progressive parents, you know, again, I did not grow up with conscious books and progressive books about um, spirituality or energy healing or uh, you know the magic inside of you, right? So I thought, okay, well, I'll I'll start and see what happens. So then I started writing and, and it was it was really fun it's a really fun process when the book comes together yeah and for anyone who is curious about what's in the book could you for example with the kindness guru what how have you managed to craft some of the aims you had into this book and this story well the kindness guru is a book for young children and it is to teach them healthy habits mm -hmm. and how to love themselves and I think that's the most one of the most important things in life as a human right I think a lot of problems come from not loving yourself so Mars will teach children as soon as they can read and write the importance of loving yourself so that's what the kindness guru deals with um, and I did illustrate it, well I didn't illustrate it personally, I paid for illustrations and put them together myself so it's kind of like my own DIY book, mm. you know, whereas Flipper Feet Pete is about being bullied and it's about consent and it's about being different and unique. And I paid for an illustrator for that one. And I, I just published that uh, a few weeks ago. And then I'm working on a third book called The Little Healer. And that is about healing and psychic mediumship for kids. I love that title, The Little Healer. Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. What I, what I love about it when you were describing the kindness guru, what hits me is you are speaking to the voice of the soul of those children. That's how they're going to experience it. They're going to feel like their soul is being spoken to. I've just been, we've just completed a big channeled course called Rebirth or mostly channeled course. And one of the things that my guides were saying is uh, you don't speak to your souls enough. You're, you're on a planet where the soul has been edited out and you have been told who you are as a human and the soul is mostly edited out or it's organized into some system that you can't reach it or you've got to go through this gatekeeper or this person at the head of a religion or whatever it is. And they mm -hmm. said that 
we're all missing our souls. And when I heard you say that about the kindness guru, I'm like, oh, that's great. Because a kid is, whatever you're talking to them about, if they feel spoken to at the soul level, it gives the child a chance the soul doesn't have to die or go away or shut down, as many of us learnt or thought we had to do to ourselves. So mm. that's brilliant. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. And there's so much um, self-abandonment that we go through as we grow up, right? Uh, we weren't raised to be sensitive. We were not raised, especially my generation, uh, not allowed to be sensitive, not allowed to feel your emotions, uh, and uh, you're not allowed to use your intuition, right? So there's a lot of self-abandonment that we learn when we grow up. Always listen to other people, always do what you're told, always do what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And yes, the soul just dissipates and it's like it just gets sucked out of us, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I will say that it makes me very happy to hear some of the children who have the kindness guru, they sleep with it too. Mm. Like it's their little friend, you know. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's really cute. Fantastic. Oh, I love the little healer. That's brilliant. When will that be ready? Soon. <laughs> Watch this space. Yeah. So, guys, it's, you know, it's interesting because obviously you're doing many different things and you are clearly in your purpose, living on purpose, certainly where your healing work and your your mission around healing is concerned. Do you have a a dream or a desire of, of how things could shift or expand or grow for you in the next few years? And if so, would you be willing to share it or some of it or what that might look like for you? You know, for for a while I thought, oh, maybe I should, uh, you know, buy some land and build a retreat and have people fly in from wherever and do a, a, like a 10-day retreat. And uh, for a while I thought that was my next goal. But then I met someone who has the same goal. And he is a thousand percent more energized than I am. <laughs> a thousand percent more focused, more disciplined, more everything. And, and, and when I saw him, I was like, oh yeah, actually, I think that goal is yours. Uh, I can see, I can totally see you doing what you're doing and, and he's absolutely doing it. And I thought to myself, I don't think that, that doesn't feel like my goal anymore. You know, like it, I thought I wanted it, but it doesn't feel right for me now. I would, I would love to retire actually. <laughs> I would love to retire and just travel around the world, you know. Uh, living a very nomadic lifestyle. But I know um, that that's not happening either because I've been told in meditation, it's not your time to retire. Yeah. You have more people to reach and you have more people to work on. I'm like, oh my God, how many more? <laughs> but yeah, I just keep, I just keep plodding along, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I, I really do just take guidance from the universe and from people. When people start asking me, can you do this? Can you do that? I, I just can't like do it, mm. you know? Yeah. 
I love your, I mean, you probably won't remember this, but because that, that workshop that I met you at was part of a year long tour, there were a few stock things that I had during that workshop. And one of the stock things I had was everybody wants to start a retreat center. Like, because I would go around the world and do these workshops and I'd be thinking, my God, we haven't got enough land in the world for all of these. And I, and I, and I kind of shared a jokey story during the workshop about, you know, do you really want to do that? Do you really understand how massive that is and mm. what that really takes? But the way I always looked at it was, I thought, wow, that shared vision or shared dream that so many of us had as like a fantasy or a dream. I don't think I ever had it, but I heard about it all the time from people I would work with or for. I thought, yeah, that's really because thus far, a retreat center is the place that many of us have experienced the most open, communicative, embrace of spirit within it, within being around humans. So in a way we think, okay, well then we just need loads of retreat centers. So I, I think the dream the energy behind the dream was probably correct for, mm -hmm. for many people. Mm -hmm. But actually, we are living at a time where it's pretty extraordinary. When you and I were, say, 20 years old, if you'd have been able to flash to us not only what we're both doing now and how we're able to do it using technology, but also just the world at large and, and what a global conversation we're having about mental health, emotional health, healing. It's very different to what we and our parents were allowed to consider. So I kind of like that you shared the retreat center, uh, that, you, that you also have put that one down. But I, there is a truth in it, isn't there? there is, I, think, I think what's often underneath that is the desire of many people around the world to be able to create a space on the planet where that level of consciousness can be collaborative between humans. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. It's about reaching more people and it's about creating a safe space for like-minded people, mm. right? Because when we were growing up, we didn't have that. We did not have these discussions. I was raised by a generation of people who didn't even know what a purpose was, you know, uh, let alone follow your bliss or do what makes mm -hmm. you happy or, uh, yeah, never spoke about emotions it wasn't okay to even display emotions, so. How long did you live in England for? I was there for the first 27 years of my life. Ah, okay, okay. So I left England when I was 36, and I absolutely love it now, and I love going back. Um, but I also knew that the vibrational template of England was tricky for me, because, because I was someone who uh, felt and dealt in emotion. And so it was always, and I still notice that now when I, now I'm fine and I'll just say what I want when I want to, not to trigger anybody and I'm, I'm mindful, but I do notice without even thinking, I will just say something and I see the person in front of me, the eyes go into the back of the head and I'm like, oh yes, I forget that the energy template in America is different to the energy template in England. Yeah. It's so fascinating, isn't it? How each of our countries have gifts and gifts and shadows, I think, in the, in the energy template. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've wanted to. I've lived in L.A. for 20 years and I've been wanting to leave here for 10 years. But when I go back to England, I think, could I return here and do my work here? It's, I, I don't get a yes hmm. because the people don't really see energy healing as an option. 
a lot of people are just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. And they see healing as such a luxury, mm. right? It's like, that's what celebrities do. Yeah. They see it that way. You yes. know, that's what the rich and famous do. Like, right. I'm just trying to, you know, make it to Friday. Right. You know? Yes, which is so interesting because, you know, I remember going to workshops on like credit cards and like, you know, I, I remember being a young person in England going to these personal development workshops and everybody who knew me thought I was absolutely nuts and maybe they still do. But, <laughs> but at the time it was, it was such a weird thing mm. and it's still weird to some people, but there's no denying that 23 years later from when I was going to those workshops, there is a shift. But uh, so I think that's why anybody in an area or a culture who is holding down some soul truth for the area, for the community, for the country, mm -hmm. is, is doing really important work because mm -hmm. at some point you do notice people crack open and need to come back to their soul, whether it's because someone dies, a loved one dies, mm. or whether it's because they have some tragic unforeseen event. The one thing I do notice in England that is very allowed is mediumship. Mm. People will, and I think that's true across the world. I think mediumship is a really important gateway to remembering you're a soul and remembering the world of spirit because most people, no matter how skeptical they are, if they think they can hear from a relative that has passed over or have some connection, it's a really important gateway. And I notice in England that feels a lot more acceptable to a lot of people than much of the rest of it. Yes. And also, you know, when we were kids, we told jokes a lot with our friends and we told ghost stories a lot with our yes. friends. So that was totally acceptable. So there was never a point where you're like, ghosts don't exist, spirits don't exist. Mm. It's like whether you're a believer or not, everyone knew someone who saw something or felt something or a plate came out, you know, flying across the, the TV switching on and off. Like we all knew people who had these paranormal experiences. So yes, I think mediumship is, is more acceptable in England than energy healing is. Yes, and there's a history of magic there. And it's, I mean, it's very in the land. So there are parts that get edited out um, that people won't go for, but there are parts that people will get behind. I mean, look at Harry Potter, for example. Yeah. It's interesting that that's a, a global phenomenon uh, and a safe way to kind of begin to look at some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Guys, it's been great to talk to you, especially as a fellow Brit. And um, <laughs> and before we finish today, I, I would love to just ask, how what does your mom, who I met very briefly at that workshop that day, what does your mom think about your path now and, and, and what you're doing in the world? Is she proud? Is she, I'm just curious. Yeah, she's v extremely proud of me. She's uh, she gushes them about me all the time. I have to kind of like calm her down, you I know. Remember that, in, like, she was, but it was adorable. It was so great. It's so great. Yeah, she's like my biggest fan. Um, she comments on all of my posts, uh, even if I post on Instagram and my two or three different Facebook. You know, she'll she'll kind of like comment on everything all the time. She's very supportive. She's very proud of me. So. Um, yeah, no, we, we have a great relationship. She's a great mother. Brilliant. Yeah. And I know your son is a teenager now. What's his relationship to you? 
doing this kind of work and doing it publicly. I'm curious, does he have a, uh, a reaction to it in any, in any way? He's gone through stages. So when he was really young, he didn't bat an eyelid, you know, because I talked to him. He was able to see spirits from a very young age as a baby. And so we spoke about the spirit world and orbs and angels and entities and all kinds of stuff. And he told me about his other lifetimes before he became my child. And then he went through a phase, I'd say, when he was about 12. Yeah, he started going away from energy healing and, and stuff like that because, you know, he, kids get preoccupied with kid stuff and teenage stuff and their own worlds and friends and, you know, different things become important, which is fine. Uh, he knows he's actually a really talented healer himself because I share some of the things with him. So I've taught him how to read energy. Uh, and now he's 16, he's very logical. He's also a Capricorn. So there are things that he battles with or struggles with in his very super logical mind, you know? Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't question me because he sees every day the results that I get from my clients. But I think he questions himself. Mm. Like he doesn't necessarily want to become a healer himself, although he is very healing. But I think mainly because he does not want to sit and listen to people's problems all day, every day. Yeah, that doesn't appeal to him. But I know that if anyone was in trouble, he would work on them, mm. if that makes sense. It does. Like he's not going to pursue it, but if it comes to him, he'll, he'll do it. And it kind of makes sense that he's such a natural healer because in the story you shared with me and with us at the beginning of this conversation, in a way, he was your activation point. It's like your son, the healer, activated you when he was one years old and got you on this path. So yeah, thank you to your son. I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like he's already been a healer in other lifetimes. Yeah. And that maybe he doesn't necessarily need to be uh, do the same path as me in this lifetime. You yeah. Know? Maybe yeah. one of his jobs was just to come and initiate you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. It's been brilliant to talk to you. And Gars, I know that people can come to you for a private session. They can come to you for, you have various online workshops and mm -hmm. you also have two books with a third coming. Mm -hmm. So where is the best place for people to find each of your offerings or mm. to follow you? So if you're interested in a private session, go to ChineseEnergyHealing.com. And if you're interested in workshops, go to AlchemistsArtsHealing.com. My books are on Amazon. You can also follow me on Instagram at Gars Chan. So. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank and you. lots of love. <laughs> thank you everyone for tuning in to this conversation with Gars. So we will put links to all of Gars's work and places you can follow her and engage with her various offerings in the show notes. So as ever, check out those links so that you can keep up with what Gars is doing. Thank you for tuning in today. If you enjoy it, we are an independent show and we make it for people who enjoy the show. So in order for us to keep finding the people who might resonate with what we do, 
you make a huge difference if you leave a comment, if you subscribe to the channel that you're watching this on, or if you share the show. It means the world to us. So from me and my team here at Impact the World, thank you for tuning in today, and we will see you next time. For those of us who are sensitive, intuitive, or walking a spiritual path, it is our practices and the support that we have in our life that often is the key to how well we can walk through life. Nine years ago, I created the portal to be an answer to that need for members of my community who wanted to go more in depth with my work. And while my work is still very much a centerpiece of the portal, we have now added other teachers, other voices, other offerings, so that the portal can become a well-rounded place for you to receive nourishment and be uplifted, shifted and supported every single month. Here is a look at some of the offerings that you receive every month as a portal member. Once a month, I do a 90-minute live video broadcast. Don't worry if you can't be there live, everything in the portal is provided to you as a replay. But doing it live is a chance for me to be with you as a community. And in that broadcast, I channel, I speak about the energies of the month and expand on my monthly energy update and also take some community questions. Every month, you will also receive an MP3 and the MP3 will either be a channeled message from my guides, the Z's, set to original music from Davor Bozik, or it will be an energy alchemy meditation or some other energy teaching. These will be put into your members library and you will have access to them to stream and download. We also give you access to a classics library where we take eight classic recordings from recent years so that you can listen to more. Qigong and wellness teacher Stephen Washington gives you an exclusive Qigong sequence every single month. It's called the Body Energy Update and he takes the themes from my monthly energy updates on YouTube and creates a movement sequence for you designed to support you and your process as we go through each month. Stephen is also a wonderful meditation teacher and so you will have access to a library of short digestible meditations from him. As soon as you join, you will also get access to our bonus Intuitive Power Workshop. This was a tour that we took to several different countries a couple of years ago, and we had it professionally filmed. So you will be able to watch a four and a half hour video workshop where both myself and Stephen teach you about accessing and owning your intuition in a deeper way. And to round all of this out, we have special member discounts on courses of mine. We also have special music playlists each month. One set of songs designed to help soothe you and one set of songs designed to get you moving. And last year, we brought to the portal something I've wanted to do for a very long time, The Portal Presents. It's where I get to invite some incredible teachers, creatives, healers, musicians into the portal. And every month we spotlight one of them where they deliver an on-camera teaching specifically for our portal members. It's a beautiful new feature. We have had some incredible people coming in and we've got some amazing people lined up for the next year. And the final aspect of the portal is mine and my team's favorite. It's the community energy. So as well as having a private members forum inside the portal for those of you who aren't on social media, 
We also have a private, moderated Facebook group exclusively for Portal members. This is where so many members get to share what they're experiencing, things they're learning, people they're enjoying, and essentially connecting you with people from all over the world who are focused on similar interests to you. My aim with the portal has always been to offer you as much value for your membership as possible. And I feel like in the last year or so, we have really been able to maximize that. So we look forward to welcoming you to the portal and we hope it is a place that can nourish your mind, your body and your soul. Big love.